welcome to The Close Podcast. Uh, I am Cooper Knowlton. I am joined with both of uh, the other two partners at Bergstein, Flynn and Knowlton, uh, the B and the uh, the F. At uh, so Mike and Mike and Lee are both are both on, and we are going to be doing something slightly different than some of the other episodes. Uh, we figured the three of us would all hop in a room and chat about a topic that uh, is interesting to clients and comes up a lot in the work that we're doing. Um, and uh, that is, so what we're going to be chatting about is good guy guarantees and trying to answer some of the questions that uh, typically come in from clients and, and people that we're working with uh, on uh, specifically on commercial leases. Um, so figure the first question uh, will go to Mike and maybe Mike can just kind of provide us with um, just kind of an overarching uh, definition, understanding of what are guarantees and, and what specifically are good guy guarantees for someone who, um, you know, someone who doesn't have a, a full understanding of, of these types of provisions. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, thanks, Cooper, for the intro. Uh, it's, it, it's definitely, I would say, one of the most misunderstood areas in uh, commercial leasing. I mean, right off the bat, to have a guarantee, it, it really it, it's only going to come into play where the tenant on the lease is a separate entity, right? So if you're an individual signing a lease, there it's you, you're you're guaranteeing it already. You're you're personally liable for it. So we're we're mostly talking about the context where uh, the tenant's large enough that there's an entity, you know, a corporation, a LLC, a partnership that is the actual tenant under the lease. And you know it's important in the law. Uh, and this is something lay people maybe don't focus enough on. It's important in the law. If you have an entity, you have to recognize that entity, and you have to go through the corporate formalities of signing documents with that entity. So let's just say, for example, your your corporation's entering into a lease. Uh, if you've just formed the corporation, or for whatever reason the credit is not there, the landlord is probably going to say, "Well, I need someone or something else." to guarantee all the obligations. And I say some someone or something because sometimes we have corporate guarantees. You know, it's, if it's a subsidiary uh, and the parent has uh, more substantial assets or better credit, they may have the guarantee. More often what we see is it's an individual, whoever is uh, the, the best credit uh, principal of that entity, the, the tenant comes in as the guarantor and the guarantor, a, a guarantee by itself is essentially the landlord has two different people or entities that they can come after for the same obligations. So full guarantee is if the tenant defaults, the landlord can look to the tenant, the guarantor, uh, individually, together, separately, joint and several, we'd say. Uh, you're fully on the hook for all the obligations. Good guarantee is very popular where a guarantee is necessary. Uh, it's also known as a limited guarantee, by the way, uh, because in concept, for the guarantor, your liability cuts off if you're a, I don't know if people can see my air quotes if they're not watching it on video, uh, but if you're a good guy, they're not watching the video, the space, they, cannot, they cannot see your air quotes. Okay. So I'm making, I'm making air quotes and I'm saying you are a quote, good guy, could be a good gal. Um, they kind of came up with the term, I think, before people were focused on, uh, you know, gender specific. So it's, it, we'll just say you're you're a good guy, you're a good person. If you give the space back upon a default, 
so that the landlord can relet the space without you squatting at it, essentially. So I'm trying to use some layman terms here so you can visualize it a little bit better. You, you give the landlord the space back. They're still going to want to be paid for the rent that's owed, uh, but you as a guarantor will not be liable beyond that point. That's That's the basic good guy guarantee. And we'll get into some of the specifics that can make it more confusing, but guarantee by itself, uh, some person or entity is responsible along with the tenant for all the obligations under the lease. Limited or good guy guarantee, the guarantor's liability cuts off when you've returned the space to the landlord. Where where does the confusion usually come in? Where where do people usually go wrong when they come to you and they they say, "Oh, I thought it was this." What 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 does that usually look like? I mean. Lee can give his most common, uh, you know, issue also. But for me, I think it's the confusion between tenant and guarantor, and and who's actually still on the hook versus who is not. Uh, just because the guarantor's liability cuts off doesn't mean the tenant is not still on the hook. So if you give the space back and your your liability is cut off at a certain point as a guarantor, it doesn't mean the landlord still won't or can't come after the tenant. For whatever is due under the lease. I think that, um, by the way, Mike, that's like an awesome three hour class on guarantees condensed into like three minutes. Um, and because good. of good. that, because of that, I think there was a couple like, of jokes in there. Th- there were no jokes. It was not funny at all, but it was, a, it's, it was been, very- it's been edited and my jokes are, are removed, but I swear <laughs> there were good jokes. In there. <laughs> no, I, th- I think, you know, I think because uh, it's a, it is a complex concept, and we're so used to dealing with it because we deal with it all the time, both on the transactional side and the litigation side. I think maybe like a, a, a simple hypo, a simple example might be might be useful for uh, non lawyers who are listening to this at home, or even lawyers who are not in the real estate field. Um, you know, suppose you sign a five year lease with. Um, XYZ company, you're a, you sell widgets. Widgets are a favorite of law school professors. So your XYZ company, right. you sell widgets, five-year- Widgets retail, are peppercorns, right? Right. Five-year retail lease, $100,000 a year. Your obligation is $500,000. John Smith or Jane Smith uh, is the CEO of XYZ company. XYZ company has done no business before signing its lease. So it has no assets, no money. So like you said, Mike, the landlord says, John Jane, uh, we need some skin on the bone here. We need to know that we can come after somebody or something. If there's a default, we need you to guarantee the lease. John has a good broker or a good lawyer, and they negotiate a a good guy guarantee. Uh, And what they negotiate is if you give 90 days notice, and you are uh, current in your rent obligations, and you surrender the space at the end of the 90 days, vacant, with no damage, and you're otherwise in accordance with all lease obligations, you, John Smith, are released from liability, and only XYZ company is responsible for the bulk of the lease. So a year in, widgets are out of favor, um, and John decides to close up shop. And he gives notice to the landlord that they're going to be vacating in 90 days. And before the 90 days are up, he pays through the vacate date. He surrenders the key, turns over the premises vacant, um, is otherwise in accordance with all lease obligations. 
if they've done everything they're supposed to do, John Smith is forgiven of the debts that he is guaranteed under the guarantee. However, XYZ Corp has another four years of liability. They are still liable for the duration of the lease. So, um, and, and that's, I think, the most common misconception, right? Most people, not most people, many people, even sophisticated commercial tenants who have multiple spaces, believe that when they give their notice, they are fully forgiven. There's no debt left. All obligations are forgiven. And that's usually not the case. Um, usually, at a minimum, the tenant is still liable. And also, if the guarantor is giving kind of sloppy notice and they're not reading their lease, not reading their guarantee, sometimes they're still liable because they haven't complied with what they have to do under the guarantee to be a good guy. I just copied your air quotes, Mike, for those who are not watching <laughs> at home. They've been edited out. Just save your breath. I don't know if that hypo made things way more complicated no, or it clarified things. Definitely, definitely clarifies things. I have I have two follow-ups. One is you, you mentioned uh, early on in, in the hypo that if you have a good lawyer or broker who helps you negotiate these things, um, you get this provision included in your lease. So maybe you could just opine on, on how common... Um, it is to see, you know, for, for a new business that doesn't really have any assets, is is it likely that uh, a landlord is going to give you some kind of good guy guarantee like this? Or is it likely that you're going to have to push pretty hard and the landlord's going to want a full guarantee? Um, what What's kind of the landscape? I, obviously, it, it varies landlord to landlord, but, you know, working in New York City and doing this for a number of years, just kind of curious what you guys see out there and 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 how common this is and how how, how hard you're going to have to fight to get these provisions included. I have Mike, another question. Think, part of the- let's go. Yeah. Let's, let's do one at a time. I was going to, I was going to, I was going to turn it over to Mike and say, Mike, what's market? What, what in your mind is market these days? So, yeah, I mean, it's uh, kind of hard to say what is market these days because the market has been interesting. We'll just use that word. Um, but I would say usually, at least in New York city, uh, it's it, you. If if the landlord is agreeing to accept a, a letter of intent from a tenant, and they're considering them for space, either we'll call it retail or office, um, it, it means that they're willing to consider them, and there are no better candidates for the space, right? If there were a big, credit-worthy Fortune 500 company for an office lease, let's say, um, you probably wouldn't even be at that level of discussion with the landlord. And we wouldn't be negotiating the lease. Uh, somebody else would. So it's usually the you know the the best, uh, most creditworthy tenant that's paying the most. Uh, they're the ones that get the lease issued. And you know there's a lot of office space in the city, so it depends on the building, depends on what your competition is uh, as for the space. If you're a tenant, um, but I would say if you if you're able to put up more security. Uh, you have a better shot at a good guy guarantee versus a full guarantee. Uh, in a lot of cases, landlords are thinking, well, you know, the old adage, you can't get blood from a stone. If you are, uh, you know, somebody who's, uh, you have some assets, you have good credit, uh, but you have limited resources to fully guarantee the lease, are you really going to get that much more from a principal of, let's say, a small company? if you have them on the hook and you can sue them personally for everything. I mean, you have more leverage to get them to cooperate, sure, but 
if you had to actually sue them on a judgment and enforce that judgment, uh, are you really going to cover hundreds of thousands of dollars of uh, back rent? Probably not. It, you're probably going to end up working something out anyway. So I think that all factors in. And it's it's really about for the landlord being able to mitigate their loss uh, and not have to negotiate uh, for like a termination fee or something like that, where less than the full balance of the rent is owed. Um, I just gave like a real lawyer answer there by by going nice. in a couple of different directions, but always a combination of of security deposit, creditworthiness of the tenant, and really what's the space. Uh, is it space that the landlord will have a bunch of uh, you know potential tenants lined up for, and it's going to be a problem if the current tenant who's who's now not paying won't get out or give access to the landlord, uh, or is this something that's going to take a while anyway, and you know we we might as well negotiate with the existing tenant for a little while, and we're probably going to lose the same amount of money for the landlord. So all those factors, I, I think you know, fit into some kind of a, of, of a grid, if you will, for the landlord. And it's, it's a balancing test, depending on, you know, what comes up in each of those categories on the grid. Cooper, just to, just I'm totally to making up the grid thing, by the way, it's just, that's how I visualize it. Just to piggyback on that for a second, you know, the most common phone call that we get other than, uh, Hey, I have a good guy guarantee. So I can just leave my space, which is just wrong. Um, is at the front end of the lease, well, they're asking me to sign a guarantee. Do I have to do this? And usually, and I think this gets to your question, usually the answer is yes. You know, if, if, if they're asking you to sign a guarantee, it's because they're not comfortable with um, the, uh, the assets that the entity has or, um, or they just need some extra comfort. And the market has dictated that you have to sign some type of guarantee, then the onus is on you and your professionals to kind of figure out how am I going to give myself as, as many outs as possible? Um, if things go downhill, how can I get out of this personally? Um, you know, what are the different ways that I can get out of this thing and really understand that uh, and internalize that? I think that what tends to happen is people are on the hook personally for like massive obligations. And instead of really understanding what that means, you don't want to think about it, right? It's like anything else where there's a massive obligation. You want to say, oh, you better not to even just like, the less I know, the better, because then I can, then there's plausible deniability or, um, or I can point the finger later on, or it's never going to happen to me. Um, and that's really dangerous. I think, yeah, I, and I'm gonna I'm gonna add to that. Now that we're talking about you know dangerous propositions for a potential tenant or guarantor, uh, what Lee's describing is usually a, a guarantor who has already signed one and thinks they have one thing and then it's another. You know, if you if you hire a real estate attorney to negotiate the lease and the guarantee, this will be explained to you up front, and you shouldn't have this unless you're totally blanking. You know, and you're spaced out when when your lawyer is explaining this to you. Uh, this is something you absolutely need to understand before you sign. What Lee's describing is someone who signs it and has no idea what they've signed. It's not super easy if you don't know what you're looking for to look at a full guarantee and a good guy guarantee and say, "Oh, this is." A, it doesn't always say good guy guarantee at the top. It doesn't even always say limited guarantee. 
And usually it looks very much the same as a full guarantee, but for one paragraph that usually it looks like, you know how they talk about how a lawyer should use plain English. This is like the opposite example. And it's it's the most legalese you can fit into one paragraph ever. Uh, that's that's the way I find it, at least the way most of them are drafted. Um, and, so that's and that's dangerous. Just to just to piggyback on that point too, I, I think just because if you if you're sort of on the front end too, if you and you're negotiating a lease, just because someone says, "Oh, sure, I'll give you a good guy guarantee," that doesn't necessarily mean much without knowing what the good guy what the terms of the good guy guarantee are, right? Because I could say it's still technically a good yeah. guy guarantee if I say, you know, you're 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 personally on the hook, but you need to give you know, uh, 12 months notice, right? Or, or some, some ridiculously long period where like you could be setting yourself up just because it, it's like in, in, in form, it's a good guy guarantee that the, the terms still need to be negotiated so that you're, you're protected. Like a, just, yep. it's not kind of a, a box that you check. You either have a good guy guarantee or not. You still need to negotiate like a strong good guy guarantee for yourself. I mean, that's a hundred percent right. Um, and I, I think it it really comes down to um, professionals just kind of getting a better understanding around what they're obligating themselves to. Um, I think that it's a real there's a real tendency to just think of it as another box that you have to check off before getting your lease done. And it's really not like, you know, most of the time where there's an early surrender and the, the landlord's making a decision as to whether to sue or not, they're suing the guarantor because that's the easiest judgment to collect upon. You know, usually a, a tenant entity is either going to be a single purpose entity and it's going to be very difficult to collect against, or it's going to be an entity that's managed by another entity that's managed by another entity. And there's going to be layers of um, corporate veils to pierce in order to collect anything. So landlords are going after individuals. And if you're guaranteeing a lease um, and the and you can't finish the obligation, you better know what you're obligating yourself to do. And it just, it, it honestly, I think we talk about this constantly, like it, it, it baffles the mind that, that time and time again, people, uh, professionals, you know, really, really smart, successful business people just um, haven't really thought through the concept. We, we saw a lot of restaurant owners get into trouble during the pandemic because of the notice period. So if you have a, a nine month notice period, let's say, um, what, what good is that really going to do? The, the, I can think of a few examples where, you know, literally the person wouldn't have enough money if they sold all their liquid assets uh, and, and, you know, paid them over to the landlord to cover nine months rent personally. And the restaurant was doing huge business, but then all of a sudden that went down to zero very quickly. Uh, so that if you have too long a notice period and the rent is, is you know, New York City level rent, it's, it's more or less game over. I mean, you, you might as well have a full guarantee at that point if you're going to wipe out all of your assets uh, to cover it. You know, it's really no difference. So that's that's hugely important. I would say the notice period um, is probably the most important thing to negotiate. I don't know if you'd agree with that point, Lee. Yeah, the notice period, and then there's there's very often kind of a waiting period before you can invoke the the good guy clause. 
Um, you know, they don't, landlords don't want to hand out a limited guarantee and, and you use it as kind of an option to figure out whether or not your business is going to work out in the first few months and give you an early escape clause. So if you're not an established business, um, you're usually going to have to wait a little while before you can invoke good guy notice, whether it's a year, two years, three years, depends on the bargaining power and the deal. That's another important thing to understand. Um, and all too often not not fully understood. All right. Um, I guess final question for you guys is, is what are the practical impacts you've seen um, over the last couple of years of people not paying attention to these clauses or, or um, just not properly negotiating them? I think the most common um, example of things going really, really wrong happen more on they certainly can happen on the front end too if if a bad clause is negotiated but what we but usually you know the companies that we're dealing with for the most part have had competent counsel draft their leases and there's at least something in place um what we've really seen are business owners who try to who think that they understand what they've signed and before and when they when they surrender the space, they don't um, they don't consult an attorney, or they don't or they don't review the guarantee again, and they just and they just surrender the space, and they think by virtue of surrendering the space and turning the keys over, that's enough. And I'm not even talking about like limiting the liability for the entity. I mean limiting the liability for themselves, uh, because what happens is if you're not if you don't strictly comply with the, the good guy clause, then you turn the keys over, but maybe you haven't paid, I don't know, the last two months in rent, right? Or you haven't paid additional rent in a year, or you haven't restored the space to its pre-commencement right. condition. Um, and then they get sued years later because landlords have a while to decide whether or not to bring a lawsuit. And now all this rent has accrued over the course of, and, and that's another reason why landlords wait, right? They want the rent to accrue. They don't want, they don't want to, uh, you know, bring the lawsuit um, for less money. Usually than they there's, can no, there's no mitigation of damages provision, usually in most of these commercial lease leases, right? I mean, it's not, not like yours. a- No. Yeah. I mean, if, if you get a, if you get a mitigation provision in your commercial lease, then give us a call. We want to hear the, <laughs> we want to hear the story. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's, there's no other way to put it. It sucks. You know, you have, you'll get a call from a business owner who's getting sued three years after the, after they surrendered their space and it's a $500,000, $600,000 bill. And they're like, I turned the keys in. I, I surrendered the space. You know, I complied with the good guy clause. And then we asked the question, well, did you give written notice? Did you, did you pay all your water and electricity? Cause that was due under the lease. Yeah. Did, you, did you did you restore the space to the condition required at expiration? If yeah. that was if that was specifically required, and that that can cost thousands of dollars, uh, yeah. And I don't want to cut off your thought, Lee. Like I don't know if you had. Well, you did. Well, you did cut off my more thoughts. to that, but but I cut it off anyway. Yeah, you cut it off. Uh, so so why don't I just take it? Uh, <laughs> it's it's a t well it's a tough decision too. Right, because once you've surrendered the space, that's it. You're not making money at that space anymore, especially if you're retail. So 
you have to make a decision as to whether you've totally given up so that you save yourself personally and you're sacrificing your your restaurant or your your business that's on the hook and is probably going to be sued for all of its all of its worth and more uh you know do you do that do you give up that easily uh or are you going to end up you know waiting and every month that you wait you owe more and more personally tough decision that we've had to see you know clients uh, make up close so that's one thing. and then it, uh, lee why don't you why don't you comment on that and i had one more thing that i thought of that could be a potential horror story i was gonna, i was gonna i don't want to end this in like fear-mongering which is how we're kind of end, ending this but the whole thing is is scary and important um you know very often we will be talking to an individual guarantor who's gotten sued whether it's in a legal capacity or just friends who have businesses and they say well i you know I, I gave good guy notice. And when someone says, I gave good guy notice to us, that usually means that they did not give <laughs> good guy notice. Uh, because they're, then they're not, then they wouldn't have gotten sued. Right. You know, you're not, landlords are not really in the business of, of landlords don't want to spend money on lawyers for the most part. They don't have to. Um, if, if they don't have the ability to collect, they're not suing you individually. And um, it happens way too often. It really does. It, it makes sense in, in many ways because that is a time, right? Like obviously when you're negotiating a lease, you know you need to bring in an attorney. Um, if you're sued, you know you need to bring in an attorney. But when when Rome is burning and like shit is hitting the fan, um, you're, you're just sort of thinking like you're, you're trying to save, you're trying to cut corners. You're trying to save costs. You don't want to spend, yeah. you know, a couple thousand dollars at that point. You're just looking and you're like, all right, I know I have this provision. Let me just turn over the keys and think that you're covered. But really in many ways, like that is the time when you really do need to think through how you're doing things and you can, you can afford to, you know, it sounds like you can get yourself in a lot of trouble, um, that you could potentially avoid by just kind of slowing down and taking the appropriate steps. And one more, and again, we don't want to fear monger, but this is this is so important. If you assign or sublet, you have to make sure that you get a replacement guarantor and the landlord releases the existing guarantor. In most cases, unless there's what we'd call innovation, the original tenant is still on the hook. So if, if you sublet, this is the classic example, you know, the landlord is is still in contract with you as tenant or with your entity as tenant. And if you're guaranteeing it, you're thinking, all right, well, let, 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 let's use the assignment case, Ashley, where you're, you're out of it. You're not even thinking about the space anymore. Uh, you know, the, the payments you're getting covered, it's somebody else's lease now. Well, you may still be on the hook and now it's not even within your control whether it gets paid. And I think, Lee, we've had, we've had at least one that I can think of where it's years later and it's a guarantor who's getting notices. And he says, I, I'm not even in the space anymore. I don't understand why I'm getting these. We say, well, did, did you ever get a release as guarantor? And when you hear crickets after that question, you know, that's, that's trouble. Because <laughs> you know, it means no. <laughs> I, know, I know this can go on forever, and we probably get to talk a lot more about this. But, you know, very often when we're, we get sent uh, like a surrender agreement or an early termination agreement, there's usually not a guarantor release in the initial draft um, because um, 
what the landlord cares about is getting the space back first. And then if the tenant hasn't availed itself of uh, all of the, the tools at its disposal to negotiate a release, or it hasn't codified the release that it's otherwise entitled to in the guarantee, well, the landlord has more tools at its disposal to extract more money or to bring a lawsuit if it thinks that it wants to. So, um, you know, I know I'm surprised every time I get the surrender agreement sent to me that has nothing, has no real benefit to the tenant. The tenant just gave them the space back and letting the landlord hold on to its security, but it's not getting anything else. It's just telling the landlord, you can keep my security and I'm giving you the keys. That's really not a beneficial agreement for a tenant. It's just giving the landlord another tool in its, in its arsenal. So if we haven't, if we haven't scared anyone off on this topic, do you, anything else that we want to do want to dive in next into war in Ukraine or climate change, yeah. any other, any other uplifting topics we want to, we want to hit on before we wrap this thing up. I love Mike's um, vest. Can we talk about Mike's vest for a few minutes? It's a real, it's a real uh, eye banker look he's got going on right now. Well, maybe, maybe we should put this, uh, maybe we should post the video. That way I you think can see my air quotes. I gave thumbs up a few times. Yeah. I got All my right. fancy vest on. Well, this is this is the uh, the first of the I don't know what we'll call it the explainer series, but uh, we'll see we'll see how it performs. If the metrics are good, we'll keep doing this. If not, if no one listens, maybe this is one and done. But we'll see yeah. how it goes. I, I it's like actually it. the explainers. I think I like think the Avengers, fun. but lawyers. <laughs> I just cut off probably something witty that Cooper was saying. I'm sorry, my juvenile joke. All good. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks thanks for uh, making the time and. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll do this again soon. Explainers disassemble. Hey guys, disassemble. <laughs> For more on all things real estate and the law, subscribe to this and our other podcasts. Follow Bergstein, Flynn, and Knowlton on social media. Subscribe to our newsletter and go to bfklawoffice.com. That's bfklawoffice.com to learn more.